Welcome. Uh, uh, oh, baby, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? How's it going? We're, we're having a moment of silence for your own it, digestive system. As you... Bruh, it's too late. <laughs> Colin, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been partaking in the past hour? You've been All right, bro, it. listen up. So my wife has a podcast, okay? It is called Dark Side Tour Guides. Everyone should subscribe, like, share, and subscribe to that shit, bro. Look, man, they make a cocktail every episode, and this week's was strong. S-K-R-O-N-G wrong <laughs> all right that's enough of calling but we did, we are now oh, setting the stage for what's about to happen ladies and gentlemen the first episode of yelling at screen with a guest let us introduce gabe gabe uh hey hey uh, what's up guys bro i know for a fact you more hype than that dude <clears throat> hold on let me get my middle school rep out real quick hold on. hey here we go here we go here we go here we go oh like what's up guys oh look listen gabe Oh, I'm gonna need you to oh, focus up. Uh, All right, I'm ready, dude. All right, we're we gonna start finally here. I would, I, I think that Gabe really is the avid listener of the show. Wouldn't y'all agree? No, yeah, I was about to say Gabe is like an OG listener. He and Caleb were the first people to ever listen to the shenanigans that Colin and I were up to when we first started <laughs> recording OG yelling at the screen. So we're oh, honored gosh, to have it. Yes. Gabe on today. Thank you, Gabe. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's nice to be a part of the the um, what they call basement recording squad. <laughs> it's good hey. stuff. Colin's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> digging into a trough. On the side. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be one of those episodes. I'm excited. <laughs> What's wrong with that, bro? <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. We've been recording for two minutes, and half of what Colin has said is yeah, inaudible. Not gonna lie, that's how I feel too. Wow, <laughs> it's inaudible. It's intangible. In ineditable, bro. <laughs> Uneditable. I can't tell if it's Colin or his wife. <laughs> Damn, dude. Poor uh, no less dose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Now, Gabe, you brought a little movie for us to talk about and dissect and discuss today. Why don't you introduce today's film that we're covering that you yeah, brought definitely. to the table? For sure. So uh, I figured I would try and pick something that we can all take cues from and we would all, for the most part, enjoy, especially Jack. So the movie that I picked is Rango. You might have seen a trailer and thought, wow, they are actually ripping off old westerns and old pixar movies at the same time but to me that's the beauty of it so <laughs> i don't know i really like the movie i think it's gonna be great to talk about and um get some discussion on so yeah excellent bro excellent nice nice so if you don't mind me asking gabe why did you say especially jack for trying <laughs> yeah. to enjoy it because i have a reputation yeah it's because you have a reputation for picking three and a half hour uh westerns and then over analyzing them and shooting on Colin <laughs> dang called out already. <laughs> oh, oh, oh dude i have a teammate bro i finally this the dude it's even playing field now dude gabe is on my team he's gonna shit all over the the Caleb's and Jacks of this <laughs> podcast, bro. I love it. 
So I'll go ahead and say for the record, this was my first time watching Ringo. So good Wait, job, game. Actually... You picked a movie I'd never oh seen God, before. You've never seen it? I'd never seen I remember when this came out in theaters. I remember seeing the trailers. I remember it won Best Animated mm. Feature at the Oscars. But I never, ever saw wow. it. So good job. Wow. Nice. Uh, I oh, did something wow. pretty impressive, I guess, Jack. It feels like you've seen every movie. Name five movies. I'll tell you uh, first. Let's see. It. I'm going to say Ocean's 12. Milf Island 4. I'm going to say iRobot. I'm going to say the Robots uh, movie from Pixar, <laughs> the one where he's like, big, well, you can be anything <laughs> you want to be. I'm going to say Pirates of the Caribbean, the third one. Um, and the... Also by Gore Verbinski. The <laughs> sequel to Sinister, Sinister 2, crazily enough. I have not seen Sinister <laughs> 2 or Ocean's oh, 12. Okay. I got... So see, I'm not guys like you're. You're putting, you're boosting me up. You're putting me on a pedestal. <laughs> I'm not Caleb. I'll never make it that high. Like, All calm right, down, Jack. Please. I have a, I have a few questions about movies. Whether or not you've seen, you ready? Okay, go for it. Have Colin. you ever seen Gulp Fiction? <laughs> what? Gulp. Fiction? What about Jack? What Is about this the a porn few section? hard men? <laughs> Jack, did you say a few what about hard school men? of cops? I did. Hey, hold on, hold on. All right, we're, what about we're, let's Phil? Let's go to Bill. Ringo before Colin gets into. <laughs> wow. All right, so I had never seen this film before. So before I go ahead and dig into first impressions, why don't the three of you talk about whether or not this was your first time seeing the film? And if it wasn't your first time seeing the film, tell us a little bit about the first time you did watch the film and what your first impression of Ringo was. Gabe, you're the guest, bro. All right, perfect. So I had seen it in 2011 when it came out after it got released to DVD. Or maybe it was Blu-ray. I don't remember what the crossover time was. But I had seen it and I was like, wow, all these characters are like really ugly. This is not <laughs> ordinary, you know what I mean? But it had, to me, it had a certain charm to it. I think as a younger kid, I was really drawn to it. And the storyline was fleshed out. It's weird. I feel like if you haven't seen it, it looks like a B-movie, but it plays out like a pick i don't know dude i could I, I can tell you but you were right i'll go next if you're done dude yeah go next for sure yeah dude okay but for real though this movie is way better than anyone gave it credit for when it came out i feel like the animation is like exactly like gabe described it's beautiful but horrific <laughs> at the same time i it, it's it's so weird and out there and the story is decent and man i like this movie 100 percent solid film now colin was this your first time watching it or have you seen it before oh no 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 i've seen it i saw it when it maybe like a couple years after it came out and then i've seen it a couple times since then and every time i'm surprised by how good it is you know nice nice well caleb how about you is this your first time watching rango it was my first time to see Ringo. I, like you, Jack, had heard about it when it came out. I never, like, heard anything that was like, oh, this is a reason why I should go watch this or rent it or anything like that, even though it was, like, an animated movie. And I feel like around that time I was watching a lot, a lot of animated movies. This was one of, the, one of the few that I didn't see. But my impression of it, man, there's such a cool homage to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. At the I beginning know what you're of this, about, yeah, yeah. Where and it crashes out of the, yeah, and I just can't stop thinking about that scene. Like that's so genius. 
we'll probably get into it later with the parallels, but there's the portion where like you 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 know meet the spirit of the West and like yeah. it's so crazy because like as a as a Nickelodeon movie, you don't expect them to be so I guess like quote unquote gritty. And I felt the same way right. when I watched like the original SpongeBob movie. I was like, they just make the TV show. It's probably not going to be that good as like an eleven year old and watching the SpongeBob movie. Be like, oh my god, it's my favorite movie of the year. Like, you know, like <laughs> I don't know. They really, yeah. It, they, I feel like they went above and beyond, and like they didn't even have to, which makes it that much more enjoyable, in my opinion. Yeah, for being a movie that's ten years old now, honestly, and for when whenever the listeners hear this, it'll probably have just turned ten. Mm-hmm. The animation has held up really well. Oh, for sure, yeah. Oh, big time. All the minute details, like, and even, like, character design and, like, sound design is, I feel, like, pretty unparalleled for the time. Everything is unique, even, like, the landscapes. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was my first time watching the film, as I've said earlier. For me, I found something very, I guess I would call it, like, ironically entertaining in regards to the kind of central drive of the main character here. Because this is Johnny Depp's early 2010s filmography, and it, it doesn't take a film expert to understand that. Depp's output in the 2010s, not quite as strong as the 90s and 2000s. Sure, Depp might have got an Oscar nom with, I think it was called Black Hat, which whatever that gangster film was called. No, not Black Hat, that's the Michael Mann film. Uh, I'll come back to that, scratch that for now. <laughs> but it's not hard to see that, you know, the 2010s were not Depp's finest years as far as some of the movies he was a part of. So there's something kind of funny about the fact that this is a movie where the main character's big thing is he can act, and he's kind of tricking everyone into liking him through his acting ability, and he's played by Johnny Depp. I know, yeah, there, there's, a, there's like a what weird, a good like, fine line that I feel like the movie's threading... Because he, I mean, at that point, he's a pretty renowned actor. I mean, with all his accolades. So it's like, it's, it's such a, it's a funny parallel. Yeah, it's, it's almost this metatextual comical area of yeah. watching that parallel of Depp as, you know, his star performance, where he was at in 2011, yeah. and where he was going to go, and how Ringo's own arc in the film kind of plays out in the film. As far as what I thought of the actual film and whether I liked it or not, one thing I thought was kind of interesting that I'd love to hear you three dissect a little bit is I found that the actual title character, Rango, might have been the most... Not the most, but it might have been the least interesting part about the whole film. I mean, I can see that surface level. I think... And it's probably, like, weird, I don't know, to, to look at movies in, like, the different light, but if you think about the fact that Johnny Depp is voice acting this entire thing and, like, the monologue that he gives in the little terrarium tank in the beginning Mm -hmm. like it sets the stage mentally i think for me where i'm like man johnny depp is really like doing this but you also want to watch it from like surface level i'm watching a movie standpoint so i don't know i guess you think about it too hard and it gets kind of muddy but i don't know i it's an interesting thought point i think colin what do you think about that because i know you think about a lot of actors um going into movies you know Especially your boy from Lawless. <laughs> My boy, Tom Hardy. Unfortunately, does not make yeah, an appearance right. in this film. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Here's the deal. Voice acting, I have come to realize, is fundamentally different than acting acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it makes a huge difference how committed a person is to their role. And Johnny Depp, say what you will. He goes balls deep 
in just about everything he does. He hard commits, and he really hard committed in this film, I think. His acting, his voice performance, ooh, boy. His voice performance uh, is very good. It, it surpasses a lot of... Uh, just like bland voice acting performances that you might get from an A-list celebrity who is not traditionally a voice actor. He surpasses that, man. He totally knocks it out of the park, I think. Definitely. And I think a lot of the things to keep in mind too, maybe not when you're watching, but like as an afterthought, is the sound design and the actual like editing that went into the audio. Because there's infliction that I feel like if it was like done incorrectly, it would make Johnny feel like... Uh, like I, you wouldn't get like the emotion out of it you know what i mean and i feel like nickelodeon as a whole has really set the i don't know what you want to call it like the editing on the voices and like what's what feels more emotional or what feels inflicting and like the uh, no the the way to describe it authenticity the magic the mm-hmm. they've really captured something you know yeah jack i think you pose an interesting question about comparing Rango to the other characters that are presented in the story. Because if you think about what Gabe mentioned with the opening monologue of Rango and how it's setting up this almost like meta examination of himself as a character in a story, he starts off as this, you know, just a lizard living in a, you know, a a little tank and there's nothing super interesting about his life. Until that that moment of tension, that, that that conflict arises, and he gets thrusted into it, and even after that, he slowly begins to become more developed in his personality. But all of the characters that he meets are actually more unique and interesting than he ever becomes, in in my opinion. So I have to agree with you on that, Jack. However, I think it's deliberate in the writing process. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I think for me, it's. There is something interesting about that. You know, Rango is literally thrust out of what he's familiar with, his mm. terrarium home, in a brilliant animation sequence. That yeah. whole sequence where, you know, he's hanging out with the Wick and Malvilio, and next thing he knows, he's going flying out the car. It, it's quite the scene animation-wise. It's absolutely brilliant. And that was kind of a point watching. I was like, wow, this is really cool. This is really fun to watch. But I think I just... And I don't know, this is that weird area of, I'm not trying to say, I think, less of the film for this reason, but I think maybe the film didn't grab me as much as it grabbed you guys. I never felt very invested in Rango the character. I never felt like Rango's arc or his journey really had me invested in this film the way the animation or the world or the character designs did. And because the film is called Rango, and it's very much about Rango's journey, I mean, that's kind of the framing device, the mariachi owls are singing about our hero Rango and still by the end of the film I never really felt super invested or compelled in Rango's story that's because he's fake dude he's fake the whole movie this is the ultimate liar revealed story dude he is useless (laughs) he's all he's doing is acting bro and that's what makes this movie charming because very few quote-unquote liar reveal stories, right? They they rely on a whole bunch of 
other things happening and the story is cheapened. But when Rango does it, dude, they go all in on it. He is a liar. He has no clue what he's doing. And he literally has to figure it out as he moves along. And I love that. I find that interesting because I feel the same way about the movie Wally because Wally in, in some ways has the same like story arc. He has no idea what the hell he's he's just along for the ride. But what I find interesting about Ringo is he has like internal not trauma but like uh frust not frustration. What is the word I'm looking for? He feels a certain type of way about how things are happening and he's really caught up and like obviously we'll delve into the actual storyline when we like get into a deeper analysis of it but like he's making all these decisions on the fly based on how the story's going versus Wally is kind of along for the ride I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to make a like a point but I don't know if I if you guys are getting it I like where you're going at that Gabe the whole Mm. one animated film versus another animated film because you know what animated film I thought a lot about while watching Ringo say it you ready for this Colin I'm ready I thought a lot about uh, good old Shark Tale. Hey! Oh my god! <laughs> Caleb, have you two seen Shark Tale? Oh yeah, too many times. Not in years. The basic premise of Shark Tale is Will Smith's character, Oscar the Grouch. I mean, Oscar the Fish. He kind of creates this whole mythology about how he's the shark slayer and tricks everybody so he can receive wealth and fame and glory. It's interesting because Shark Tale is about. A member of a community which is oscar he's part of the big great barrier reef city and how he kind of ascends certain social statuses because of his lie whether well, rango is the outsider coming in fools everybody and because nobody knows his past it kind of ascends so there's almost this interesting dichotomy of comparing shark tale and rango which i'd love to hear colin's thoughts on because i know he loves shark tale i do love shark tale and, and it's interesting because there's enough parallels for me to be like, oh, this is, okay, interesting, interesting. But there's also enough differences. I mean, heck, look at the setting. One is literally all the characters are underwater. The other is characters are dying to find water. <laughs> so I don't know. There's Dude, almost yeah. this interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not telling the viewers to pause the episode go watch Shark Tale real quick if they haven't. Uh, th- I There's am. almost an interesting comparison there <laughs> that I'd love to hear you three, especially Colin, kind of dive into. Because, Colin, it seems like you were really invested in Ringo's story. I would say so. I would. Look, man. The thirst for water. <laughs> the thirst for water is a good uh, is a good place to start for the story. You know what I'm saying? They treat water as a as a monetary resource. It's almost like a post apocalyptic scenario we got going on out there, where non-monetary well let me rephrase non-traditionally monetary things are treated as monetary no as money like water is how they pay for things out there don't know if y'all caught that water is the transaction process they put water in the bank to use later it's incredible man (laughs) i just kind of picture Mad Max for your road and Morton Jovi. Yes. Like, do not become addicted to water. Yeah, I was gonna bring this up, Jack. Wow. You're you're in my Kale brain. And I dude. The same Get off my Wi Fi. Oh, real quick, I'm gonna pop this beer can if you want to see Oh hell time. yeah, bro. Hold on. Oh In the words of uh, a wine and crime. Nice crack. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's just me, but 
the the chicken with the arrow on his head, he <laughs> disgusting, right? Like disgusting. he looked like nasty to you guys too. <laughs> Unacceptable. <sighs> but like I don't in a weird way it it, it it makes the film too, like with the character designs. Because you wouldn't remember him if he was like a normal just like ugly chicken. You have to have the arrow in the head. You have to have the disgusting feathers fall. You gotta have the him. lack like of an eyeball, it's bro. He goes, I think it's hereditary, but it's not contagious. And Ringo's like, oh, good to know. Oh, good to know. <laughs> good to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you fit to serve, soldier? Uh, I think it's hereditary. Oh, my gosh. Something that I was really interested to hear how you guys feel about is the details on the different characters themselves and, like, what they do throughout the movie. Like, some that, like, blurted out to me was, like, when they have the chase scene on the wagon, there's a frog with the cigar in his mouth, and he's reloading a thirty thirty re- repeater with one hand and shooting. And also the fact that, like, all the animals do things that, like, they would quote-unquote do in real life, but obviously it's animated. Like, the moles will go underground. And, like, really funny part, at least for me, was when Rango, like, shed his skin twice on the, yes, on the tarmac. Yeah, and great. Just, just, like, yeah, things like great. that. <laughs> there are little details that, like, they don't need to do necessarily, but I feel like it makes it that much more interesting. I don't know. I'm curious to hear, like, what Caleb says about that, actually, because he's really good with characters. I, I was like. just thinking, like, I'm glad you brought up the the cigars that the different characters would have in their mouth. Because I remember at the start of this movie on Netflix, it has, like, the little grading and forward blank blank and blank and it include like cigarette slash smoking and i was like oh interesting this is a animated nickelodeon movie like i I wasn't expecting to see that rating up there i kind of loved seeing all of these desert creatures like smoking cigars that there's something cool about that (laughs) i don't i don't know why what is it it's rated pg-13 no 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 no. pg what is it for PG? Sure. It's PG? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay, I, that's so interesting because <laughs> yeah, there's clips where there are, where they like say like son of a and then like the crow will like, ah, and, like <laughs> things like that. Like, wow, I can't believe they got it PG. That's awesome. Yeah, this film does a good job that's of balancing that line between kind of a family-friendly audience but also understanding the kind of grimier and nastier side of the Western genre with the cigarettes and, you know, them saying, like, you go to hell, where'd you think I came from? There, there's oh, yeah. a good kind of, a, yeah. Yeah. Kind of undertone <laughs> to came. a little bit of spice oh. into the mix. It's is nice from a Dude, perspective. Rattlesnake Jake, y'all know who voiced him? Dude, Bill Nye. Davy Jones, what? baby. That, oh my god, that makes so much sense. Oh yeah, dude, he's amazing. Yeah. So he's actually super oh, okay. big in Britain. Like, Big, big actor in the UK. Dude, he he had one of the more interesting vocal performances, I feel like. He was so yeah. cool. I love listening to him talk. The Gore Verbinski extended contact list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who voiced the 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 main like the leader prospect i'd have guy. to look it up i don't remember <laughs> he kind of gave me some freddy cougar vibes with like his whatever was going on with his face i'll look it up I'll, you're talking about I'll, the one I'll who's like legally blind or whatever yeah he's blind <laughs> he said what now you know while colin's looking that up one thing i did want to talk about in regards to the characters is earlier when gabe was kind of introducing the movie he talked about how like a lot of the characters are really ugly but the animation is also really top-notch and really well done. And I oh, kind yeah. of... There's something very uncanny about the character designs. 
where it looks really off and awkward. But I don't think the designs are bad. If anything, I think it's the framing of how they chose to set up these images. There's a lot of... Oh, yeah. I would almost call the medium shots, where it's kind of like chest up, you see the character. Especially with Beans and Rango, where you just kind of have that very square shot on them, where it's just, you know, them getting their mug shot almost, and it's just their chest up. And I think those shots, because they kind of dominate a lot of the moments where a character is just talking, that's where you really start to recognize, like, oh, these are some ugly animals. But it's not because the animation is bad. It might be... I think it was purposefully made. I think the intention was in the right place as far as what the creators were going for. I just think the framing was kind of awkward. And I know that kind of comes from that whole awkward point of like, oh, I saw Rango and the framing was so awkward, and that's not really my goal. But I think going back to what Gabe said <laughs> earlier about the characters, I think if there's a reason they look kind of weird and ugly, it's because of the framing, not because of their design. Well, I mean, you watch for, like, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I feel like the framing is awkward in that, too. There's so many, like, behind-the-knee shots and, like, kind of, like, eye shots, quote-unquote, like, close-ups and things like that. For Nickelodeon film, I feel like they're really delving more so into a Western than an animation mm -hmm. style, if that makes sense. Well, and you that, that I mean? hits on some great stuff, because this is very much a tribute to classic Westerns. So I like For where sure, you're going yeah. with that. Now, all three of you have watched you know, one of Colin's favorite movies, Once Upon a Time in the West. Could you guys feel the Western trip? Sorry, <laughs> Colin, that was a low blow. I apologize. I hope you can find some room in your heart to forgive me. I can. It's okay. Thank you, thank you. I Colin. forgive good man, you, good man. <laughs> so he's so nicely. Guys, you better cry, boy. <laughs> no, but I was just curious <laughs> if there was any Western influence in particular. I know we talked a little bit about the Fear, Loathing in Las Vegas reference, but were there any other kind of Western references or other references that really, you know, there's a Flight of the Valk Valkyries song cue, very Apocalypse Now. And I was gonna, I I was gonna talk oh, about sorry, that. I love that scene so much. Mommy. No, no, like, I just wanted us to talk about it because I think it's so interesting. What was up with that? So, okay, that I think is one of my favorite scenes. And like I said earlier, specifically because of the the frog that is shooting the repeater with one hand while smoking a cigar. I think that's incredible. They did not have to do that, but they went the extra mile and they did it. And I love it. And I think it's fantastic. Also, the fact that it's a straight up, like, stagecoach, quote unquote, robbery chase scene, which is so cliche. I mean, you can rob stagecoaches and red dead redemption 2 and like red dead revolver on the ps2 and things like that like it's just such a niche tribute quote-unquote i feel like scene but it's done so well and they didn't even have to do it honestly i just think it's great i want to hear what colin has to say about it because i know he's a he's a big western boy oh yeah you I'm know me to see western how jack like Ooh. <laughs> They just get me rock on. No, dude, honestly, um, <laughs> I'm a fan. I, uh, I I enjoy them. I like them. No, I don't. That's a lie. What am I saying, dude? They're boring as shit. I hate them. Uh, here's the deal. This movie is a good send-up of Westerns because it takes all the things about Westerns that I do not like, i.e. slowness i.e. boring-ass characters who were like, Hello, my name is Clint Eastwood, and I'm here to shoot people and take <laughs> what? what did you just Dude, Rango, 
takes a shit on all that, and I love it. Fantastic. That's what I'm trying to say. This is something that I get a lot of backlash for. People kind of shit on me about it, but what if the Matrix is staged as a Western? If you think about it from a storyline perspective. Because I was also thinking about the Matrix as I was watching this movie. Rango gets pulled into this world and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. He could easily like walk to the other side of the road, but he chooses to go towards the town and he chooses to follow this adventure, you know, per se, right? And I, I was picking up on, I guess, from my end, like the similarities between the hero's adventure, quote unquote. It's interesting because he's faking it, obviously. How do you guys feel about like that? that that categorizing it as like the hero's adventure like almost like a tolkien novel you know what i mean okay i like where you're going at this a lot but i want caleb and colin to respond first before i kind of give you my my input on that that quote because i think that's a really good discussion point in regards to talking about gore verbinski's 2011 ringo so caleb colin (laughs) why don't you two respond to that first are we Mm, are we talking about Rango? Okay, can you say the question again? <laughs> so, I, when I was watching Rango, I was picking up on similarities between it and The Matrix. Okay. And The Wait, Matrix oh. made me think about the hero's adventure. Okay. No, and I know, and you have to follow. So okay, like, I'm following. Okay, I'm okay. Not okay. laughing at you, think, Gabe. Okay. I'm laughing at Colin. No, 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 for sure, yeah. So, it, it, it makes me think about the hero's adventure as a uh, story writing tool. Okay. How do you think it follows and steps away from the classic like hero's trope? Hmm. The movie Ringo. Okay, here's my deal, right? The whole hero's journey concept as it applies to film, sometimes I think we rely a little bit too much on it. Because in this case, Ringo is not necessarily a likable character, a relatable character from the beginning of the movie. Right? He's a outsider. He's a liar. He the whole plot is cruxed upon him not revealing information about himself to the rest of the cast, right? I don't know that that nestles into the hero's journey concept as easily as you might be implying it. Does that make sense? You yeah, might have definitely. the call. The call is obviously he doesn't get a choice in the matter. Because he's propelled out of the car he was in, not by his own volition. So there's your call. But as far as everything else, who's the mentor? Would it be the uh, Doc Ock uh, uh, armadillo character? Alfred Molina, yeah, the man, the legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I that's that's about it. I don't know. I kind of see him as more of like this supernatural aid that kind of guides him spiritually through his like death and rebirth that whole journey because you don't really see him again until he actually crosses the road and has interaction with the man with yeah. no name and then comes back to a, to see like a can we talk about that animation as he got run over <laughs> what did you say Colin? i said can we talk about that animation when the armadillo get like it shows him after he's been hit by a car Ooh. Oh, yeah. The little I mean, whoop, whoop, whoop in his midsection. The animation in Ringo is so, I feel like, top tier for the time. And I it, mm-hmm. like what Caleb said. I think it still holds up remarkably. Yeah, yeah. Little segments like that and, like, when he gets thrown out of the terrarium, when the hawk is swooping through the town chasing after him, when the moles are chasing after them in, in the, the wagon scene. And 
little cues like when Ringo's looking at what the turtle is building, the mayor behind the town, like that new quote unquote Las Vegas. Because I right. think the movie is set in the Mojave Valley. Yeah, I think they the say that. They yeah. say that, it is. right? Yeah. Sure, at one point. So those little animation details, I I think just in a way, I think they can make a break. I wasn't really. I don't know. I feel like they don't keep a consistency as far as like uh, what is literal and what is for the most part in Rango's imagination or like what you're taking literally. Because I feel like you can look at the story both ways. Is the armadillo really there? Is the you know the legend of the West really there? Does a lot of those things actually happen? Do the cactuses really walk? Exactly. But then you think about it like the water wouldn't have turned on unless the cactuses and the armadillo work together at the very end and things like that, which I feel like I guess in a way you have to take it literally, but it is a kids movie too, so it's like you know how much of this. I don't know. Yeah. The reality is, is rattlesnakes can't put Gatling guns on their tail, so they're you exactly not with that yeah. attitude. So like, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Caleb. What were you about to say? No, I kind of want to return to something I, I think I heard Colin said earlier when we were comparing this to the hero's journey. I may have missed it, so I want to clarify. Colin, when you were talking about Rango's, uh, before he's called into action with being thrusted out of the van, you talked about his re- his relatability as a character, that he's not that relatable. Is that something that No, no, no. I, did, I didn't necessarily say that. I just said that he didn't match the traditional hero's journey. That's all I said. Or that's all I meant. So I, anyway. I like agree and I disagree with you. I think we see more of the hero's journey than I think we've talked about so far. But I don't think it's as well done in this as it is in something like The Matrix or even The Lord of the Rings. I think this is a good attempt at it. I don't think that we really see the his like return after he's been been transformed and everything like he it just kind of ends the ending didn't really wasn't really that memorable for me like I watched it yesterday and I don't even remember how it ends (laughs) well and and I like where you're going at that Caleb because the ending is really interesting in that it just kind of ends like yeah the water's beautiful Yeah. yeah they stop the bad guys Rattlesnake Jake, or whatever his name is, takes our turtle, who's very similar to Once Upon a Time in the West, takes the turtle away. The bats are in the air flying. Everybody's happy. The camera's moving. There's never a big... I'm trying to think of the word, but, you know, there's never a big... All the characters are together, like, hanging out, partying. It just kind of ends. The big set pieces happened, and everyone's happy. And that's good in the sense that there's a narrative catharsis in that this is very much a film where... Everyone in it wants water, and oh, here it is. The film ends with water. That's great. But it's not like you get a big Kodak moment where all the characters are lined up happy. Would you guys agree that there wasn't a true resolution to the storyline? No, I wouldn't agree with that. Oh, you wouldn't agree? Explain yourself. Well, I would. I would agree that there's no justice to, like, Rango lying to them. Like, there's never a moment where they have to kind of confront that. But... That's a Considering good point. that yeah. the film is literally about one, Rango gets out of the car, he needs water. Two, the townspeople need water. And the film ends with water gushing out of the ground and them getting rid of the antagonist. I would argue that's a satisfying resolution. But as far as a character arc resolution goes, I wasn't very satisfied with it, which has kind of been my underlining theme of this discussion. 
I don't think this film really works as a strong character study, which it doesn't have to. It you know, it's got the West homages, it's got the West tributes. Hans Zimmer is going all Ennio Morricone or you want to say. It, it, it knows what it wants to do, and it doesn't have to be a yeah. strong character study. I do like this conversation we're having about comparing the film to Frodo's journey or Neo's journey. But, but I also think, from a certain perspective, the more you do that, the more the film might fall short, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Because, I mean, like, if you compare it to The Unforgiven, I'm trying to remember now, but there wasn't a true resolution. He just killed a bunch of really bad people and went back to his farm. Which, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. Spoilers That's... for Unforgiven, Gabe. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, put a <laughs> no, little spoiler all good. I, warning I do. tag. Okay, low-key, I, I love Unforgiven. That's a great, great call, and do not watch it's, it. Do not watch it. You won't like it, Colin. Why? There, there's a great... Explain numbers. yourself. Now I'm just kidding. Colin, you might like it. What is that actor's name? Oh, he won... I don't think he won. He might have got nominated. Uh, Gene Hackman plays the bad guy in Unforgiven and is so, yeah. so good. You know Royal Tenenbaum, Caleb? Yeah, yeah. That actor, Gene Hackman, kills it in Unforgiven. Nice, nice. Definitely. Anyways, Unforgiven aside, taken care of. Uh, back to Rango. <laughs> yeah, Jack, this is kind of why I want to watch some more westerns, like I mentioned in the Once Upon a Time in the West episode. Because I, I think the way they handle the tension and the resolution with Rango in this might be how a lot of West the Western genre handles the resolutions with a lot of these, you know, Wild West, um, what are they called? Like, they're kind of on their own. Like frontier justice yeah, like, type of thing? Okay. I kind of get the sense that that's how that kind of tension is handled. And those in, in 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 that genre, I don't know. What do you think about that? So I, I I'm gonna give a more ex- explicit kind of comparison with a western we've covered on this podcast before because listeners are listening in order. Which shout out to you, listener, being all chronological. <laughs> shout out. Yeah. I I am gonna compare it real quick to Once Upon a Time in the West, which some would argue like, oh Jack, that's so stupid. One's a masterpiece, the other, you know, is came out less than ten ten years ago. But here's the deal, guys. Colin doesn't like Once Upon a Time in the West as much as Rango, so it's okay to compare them on this podcast. Got him, boom, let's go. Okay. It is Colin likes the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. (laughs) Oh Caleb. I mean not Caleb. That's not a Disney. You have open Pandora's box. Just now. What's I'm wrong with that film, bro? Huh? Oh Give me one God. good reason. One good thing <laughs> wrong with it. Right now. We have, Colin, I am not arguing against you. It's there, just Gabe. a funny, my goodness. It's, oh my God, but but here's the deal. Let me go back to the explicit comparison. The okay. reason I think the conclusion to Once Upon a Time in the West is more satisfying than conclusion to Rango goes back to kind of the emotional depth with the characters. In Once Upon a Time in the West, you don't really know Hermonica's past, just like you don't really know Rango's past. And yeah, they both come out and beat the big baddie at the end, but as Once Upon a Time in the West proceeds, you kind of slowly start to, you know, you, you trickle in these little details from Hermonica's past that makes the satisfaction of him beating the bad guy more satisfying, in my opinion. Whether it's Rango, there is kind of more of a lizard versus self, narrative emotional art going on there and Rango trying to find himself which I think you could argue is satisfying but for me it just didn't hit the same emotional beats and the same kind of narrative core that I like about something like Once Upon a Time in the West. Well I'm gonna go ahead and pull my tennis racket out and volley or hit the 
tennis ball back to Gabe and Caleb and ask, because because I know what Colin would say. No offense, Colin, but but Gabe, Caleb, which one do you think of the two films I brought up had the more satisfying conclusion? Caleb, I'm gonna have you go first because I haven't watched Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, I spoiled it for him. Oh but no! I can remember the points that you guys. No, 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 that's not a big deal. It's okay, because Gabe spoiled Unforgiven forever. It's not that big a deal. Well, yeah, there you go. So basically, Caleb, my question is, as far as this film goes, as far as Rango goes, as a Western, how do you feel about the conclusion of Rango versus the ending conclusion of Once Upon a Time in the West? Another Western, a more classic traditional Western that we've covered on this podcast. Which one do you think had the better, more satisfying ending? Well, to be honest, I don't really, I don't really remember how Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in the West ends. <laughs> I, I think that that might speak well. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that comparing the fact that I don't, it was a day ago and I don't really remember much about the ending of Rango or like didn't really stand out to me. And I don't remember or care to remember how Once Upon a Time in the West ends, that kind of shows something about maybe what I think about the movie and how I interpret the story. Like, the the importance is, like, or the important thing is not where they ended up at the end. I think the important thing and the thing that I remember most is the journey that they went on. I 100% feel that, yeah. I, I remember so much more of the characters and the middle of the movie compared to the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah, I want to real quick go back to Gabe's original conversation piece about, you know, Rango going on the hero's journey versus someone like Frodo or someone like Neo. And I think part of the issue I have with this film is that with someone like Neo's journey, how Neo kind of leaves his literal reality, leaves his comfort zone to go on his big quest, is that Neo's kind of searching for it. He sits down with Morpheus, and Morpheus looks at him and says, you know, you look out the window every day wondering if there's something more. Something along those lines. And there very much is this underlining theme in Neo as a character that he's looking for something that isn't just something he can find. I mean, look at his name. His name is Neo, and yet in our reality, the Matrix, he's, you know, so-and-so Mr. Anderson. Call and do the voice. Mr. Anderson. Oh my god, he kills it every time. We've been looking for you. (laughs) Freaking Colin, what a legend. And Frodo is someone who, you know, Bilbo said things like, oh, there's something out there meant for Frodo, a little bit deeper, bigger than the Shire, even though Frodo loves the Shire. And, you know, you get that great scene where Frodo's with Gladriel, and he sees what could happen if, you know, Sauron and the bad guys get the ring. He sees the Shire in flames and everyone in chains. And there's kind of this motivation to Neo and Frodo that you don't really get with Rango. And like I said, I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I'm not trying to harp on the writing direction of Rango. But Rango's kind of spark, his motivation as a character is more of, oh, I need to make more friends. I need to go on adventures. I need to do fun, wacky shit, which is cool. There's plenty there that can work. But I don't think it really hits the same mark. It's not as compelling is some of the other characters you can bring up in the hero's journey mold. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, Jack. Now, Gabe, what other kind of themes, topics, as far as Rango goes, that you wanted to kind of... We talked a lot about the characters. We've talked about the animation. Mm-hmm. Anything else in this film that really scratched that itch that you were looking for in a film? Yeah, there was a specific scene that caught on to me. There is a part where it's his first night out. He's on his journey to the town of Dirt. 
and he finds like a, a drainage uh, tunnel tube type of thing. He falls asleep in it, and just after it has this really interesting kind of like surreal dream sequence where you see a lot of pretty crazy graphics. I mean, there's a huge like floating uh, like wind up goldfish toy. It's the same one that he has in the terrarium that falls out with him. Yeah, and the it's wicked like floating Malvillio. through the sky. <laughs> it, it made me think of that weird kind of dream or like. Uh, I guess, like, afterlife sequence that Jack Sparrow does when he goes to, I think, Davy Jones' locker. He's in the big white desert. It reminds me a lot of that. It reminds me somewhat of, um, I don't know why, but the the tunnel in Finding Nemo, they're going through, like, the water tunnel with the turtles, because I find that so surreal. Mm. Even though it's part of the little story, that's just a side tangent. But (laughs) those really crazy, like graphics and like the really wild like animation of a huge just like goldfish toy just a barren white desert is really like it's it's so dreamlike and it just caught me that was one of the points that stood out i have a question for everyone i hope you're ready for it go ahead i'm ready who okay very clearly the spirit of the west who was he supposed to be he said he was the man with no name. It's got to be a direct homage. Yeah, that's what I thought the Clint it was. Eastwood saga. So it's you, y'all. Y'all are of the mind that it is Clint Eastwood. Oh, without without a doubt. Didn't yeah. he explicitly say that? Didn't he say, "Oh, he's like no. you're the man with no name"? Rango, no. Rango said, "You're the man with no name." I think he said it like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. It was it wasn't the Clint Eastwood character that said that, but he's inferring no. like, you know. If you look up a picture of what Clint Eastwood looks like and pull up the image of the man with no name from Rango, they very much modeled this man with the no name in Rango after it's what pre- modern it's day. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty damn close. He has the same trench coat, I think, too, before he gets in his golf cart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the golf cart. Well, that's what I'm saying. So here's my question. Did you think that he was voiced by Clint Eastwood? No, well, I, I'm not going to say thanks. I know he's not because I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I cheated. He, he, I think the voice actor is trying to do that same like uh, classic uh, Clint Eastwood. Dude, it's affliction. it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's not, bad, it's, it's not bro. Quite, yeah, it sounds nothing like it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Ooh. It doesn't sound like Clint Eastwood, but it's trying to. Wait, yeah, sure. they, that, they get the point across. It's not about being perfect, right? Right. That that voice actor who plays him, uh, Timothy Oliphant, is how I think you say his name. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant. You know, I I don't know a lot about that actor apart from that he was in the original Hitman movie as Agent Forty Seven. Right. Yeah. But, but I just remember that when Mandalorian season two came out, everyone blew up about his character. They were like, "Oh my gosh, he's in the Mandalorian." And I I feel bad because I love Star Wars, but I didn't recognize who his character was. Like. At first, I was like, "Oh, is he supposed to be Boba Fett?" But then he clearly wasn't Boba. I don't know, Colin. You haven't seen the Mandalorian season two yet, have you? Wait, nope. He was in the. What character was he? he? He's in the first couple episodes. Actually, I don't know. I haven't seen season two, but I know he's in season two. Caleb, how about you? You got any any Mandalorian commentary? <laughs> no, I haven't. If it's out on Disney Plus, I probably haven't watched it. Just a heads up. For all, for all, all the uh, listeners, um, <laughs> everyone wondering what's on Caleb's is, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's too good I for see. me. He was in. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. But yeah, Colin yeah, hasn't I, seen I, it. I see, yet, so oh, yeah, I, I see what you're talking about. Okay. I mean, that's not. It, yeah, yeah. I can see the appeal. Yeah, I want to kind of go back to what Gabe was saying about the surrealness of the animation and that dream sequence. 
Because I think when it comes down to what I really like about this film, it is the animation. I think for a film that's 10 years old, this film holds up, and maybe this isn't quite on Into the Spider-Verse level of mm. high-quality animation, but there is a reason that, including Into the Spider-Verse, this is one of the few non-Disney, non-Pixar animated films to win the big old Oscar for Best Animated Feature, because... There's a lot to like about the animation, whether you like the character models or think they're ugly or not. I, I really enjoyed this as far as the artistic purpose of the animation goes, and I had a good time with that. I can see that. I wish I would have watched this in a movie theater and remembered it so I could see all the tiny details behind what's like the, the main focus in a lot of the shots. There's a part where he's getting dressed for the first time as the new sheriff or, like, getting his suit made. And you can see the spider in the back making, like, a casket because they're leading up to a <laughs> joke or something like that. And also that spider's design was really freaky. It felt like some Tim Burton's type type of, type of design. Oh, but, I love the spider. The spider yeah, is he, great. He's, he's super cool. <laughs> but, yeah, like you're saying, Jack, the animation I feel like is so top tier even for now. All those minute details add up to why I like the film so much to begin with. So, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree with, with that. As we kind of wrap up this discussion, earlier Gabe talked about that. I think he said the frog was his favorite character design, the one with the repeater and the cigarette. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Colin, Caleb, who, who do you guys think is your favorite, well, not just character, but favorite character design, per se? Rango. He's got like four this outfits, easy. obviously. His body language on the Skype call is so good. Yeah. Rango. <laughs> Rango. Rango. Uh, how about you, Caleb? I don't know. Like, every time that the legally blind prospector guy came on screen, I got, like, super excited. Like, I don't, like, it was, like, the fact that he looked like Freddy Krueger, but he's, like, this tunneling guy. And, like, the way that he and Rango... Like, their dialogue was hilarious. Like, I got a big laugh out of, <laughs> like, oh, like, I need to get you all, all, all the right tools and a permit. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's nice that, yeah. I'm with you there. It's I nice that he has some type of, like, character, and it's not just, like, the, like, I guess, general, like, dumb idiot role. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's nice that they can have a conversation. He's like, oh, like, you know, the prospect. Like, like what you say, Caleb, it's so fantastic. Every character has detail outside of their animation. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, like how he's kind of like a father figure to this whole right. big family yeah. of all that. <laughs> I, I like that touch. That was nice. Because, Jack, I think it kind of gets into the comparison you made to Fury Road and, like, that world and how, like, there's these different, like, clans that are working together to get the most desired resource, whether that's Mad Max gasoline and here water. Yeah. No, I, I like where you're going with that, Caleb. And, and I'll be honest, a lot of the people I follow on Letterboxd, and these are people who can be extremely critical and have very strong movie opinions, I would say a lot of them gave this four, three and a half star ratings. And I can see why, because there's a lot yeah. of little details in this world that they might not have jumped out to me and got me very excited, but I, I see the appeal of this film. And I'm happy this film won the Oscar. I'm happy Gabe brought it today for discussion. There's a lot of good stuff here, and I think the Fury Road comparison, you know, you could play at that all day long, compare and contrast, but I think you're on to something. Yeah, yeah that, that is an exciting point that I think movies do a good job at discussing. 
Yeah, I didn't really say who uh, my favorite character was, but you know, we got we got to talk about that fox oh. a little bit. I mean, but anyways, let's move <laughs> on to the next point real quick. So. All right, Jack, listen to me. I'm calling you out. Get ready. It's live, baby. It's happening. Here we go. You've got a surprise for me later. Well, I got a surprise <laughs> for you right now. This guy. I'm ready. Call ready. Surprise me, baby. Jack. Are you a furry? No. <laughs> uh, we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> Call just cut out. I guess he's out. <laughs> I okay. For the record. I showed oh Colin and Catherine The Cat Returns not too long ago. Fuck. And if you haven't seen that movie, all you need to know is that Colin is asking this question after I showed him and his wife The Cat Returns. Granted, Daisy wanted to watch it too. She wanted to watch it too. So if you haven't seen The Cat Returns, to quote my good friend Jeff, that is a film that takes on a whole different meaning when you're more familiar with the naughtier side of the internet. Yeah, that's so, weird. Colin. I think that just answered your question. It did. <laughs> the answer is yes. I unwittingly watched pornography with Jack the other day. Wait, Jack, have you have you seen the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie? Please say no. Please say no. Please say no. Oh. Ah! Uh, he gets I've rock seen hard, the bro. First one with David oh. Cross, which got him his second house. How'd you? Actually, I think David Cross is in all of them, but I could be wrong. How did you? Uh, Just so you know, that was my did, that was my one sexual deviance reference. Okay, Loki. I never saw Chipwreck, the third album in the Chipwreck <laughs> movie. Did? But I remember when I I'm about to rant oh God, on that okay. now. And I'm think, you got me okay. thinking Uh-oh, about right. that. Okay, I never saw Chipwreck, but when I worked at the grocery store in high school, all my coworkers said Chipwreck was better than the 2011 Muppet movie with um. Jason, oh my Jason goodness, Duvall. How I Met Your Mother guy. What's his name? Statham. Jason no, Siegel. Statham. Jason Siegel. Did you guys see the yeah. 2011 Muppet movie with Jason Siegel? Oh, am I, I didn't. a man or a Muppet of a... Did you guys ever no, see that movie? I, I don't Never. think I saw that one. I was too busy, I was too busy watching I like Wally and like old Finding Nemo clips on YouTube. Can you just watch that movie and tell me it's better than Shipwreck? Please, please, please. Because all my coworkers at the grocery store were like, the new Muppet movie sucks. Shipwreck is so... And I was like, I hate you guys so much. <laughs> what? Uh. Anyways, we got a little off topic there. Thank you, Colin. Yeah. Now back to the Fox. <laughs> You're welcome, I mean, back to Rango. I think we're coming to the end of this segment. Why don't we wrap up with any final thoughts? Any conclusive statements or final details you want to cover in regards to the 2011 film Rango? I would say from my standpoint the true charm to the movie is not how the story plays out or you know how crazy like the cinematics are. I think for me being in the middle of the movie watching it the character animation the character cues, the way that the you develop and you get to know more and more about them, their different designs, the sound quality of the movie, and like the vocal infliction and vocal performances of everybody is just fantastic. Um, those are the big things that I take away from it, and also how badass Rattle Jake, Rattlesnake Jake is. Like, dude, yeah, yeah, true. he's got That's a great. he's got a, like a Gatling gun for, for a rattler. Hell, boy. Sign the damn paper, woman. Like he's, he's, he's a good yeah, dude. He's he's crazy. <laughs> Sign the damn paperwork, yeah. boy. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. 
Nice. And Gabe, I'm glad you brought this to the table. This is our kind of our second Western to cover here, and I'm glad we returned to the genre in this fashion, because Westerns are some of my favorite type mm-hmm. of movies, so I really appreciate that. Definitely, yeah. Colin, Caleb, any final thoughts before we get into ratings? Nah, dude. My final thought is that if you have not seen Rango, <laughs> then you should, man. It's a smiling, old-fashioned, just good film, bro. Good film. Makes you happy. Come out of it with a smile on your face. That's what movies are all about. Know what I'm saying? I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Caleb, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jack, you know what I'm saying? I already said it. <laughs> Caleb, hey, Gabe, you know what I'm saying? goes on a loop I, I know, for another I know 10 what minutes. You're saying, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh. Hey, Marshall, know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. Now I got to link that Eminem video. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. But how about you, Caleb? Any final thoughts? Yeah. No, Gabe, I just want to affirm that you're right. Like, you picked a film that appealed to every single one of our sensibilities for what we like in movies. And I just want to talk about, because ever since you brought that up at the beginning of the episode, I've thought about that and how, like, this movie very much has this, like, meta commentary on storytelling itself, which is something that I just love so much. Like, it's what I love about Dan Harmon's writing and why I am a sucker for his humor and his storytelling. And he uses um, the hero's journey um, in his stories as, as well. I, I I applaud you, Gabe. That was this is a good pick. Perfect, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah. But final thoughts on the movie itself. I just can't get over the fact that like there's this crazy sequence of him being thrusted out of the car. Things are crashing. He's flying everywhere in between vehicles, tires. He's about to he's about to almost die every single time, and he flies into a windshield, and it's literally his character from. Or Johnny Depp's character from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> like, what oh, yeah. a, what a reference. I love it. Like, it is a good in a, in a, what a reference. In a PG movie, nonetheless. <laughs> oh, no one got that reference. Yeah. Except for, like, yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> I'll transition my final thoughts into, <laughs> into kind of the rating system. Because there was one point in this movie that just killed me. I was laughing so hard. I had to pause the movie. I was just losing it. I was laughing so hard. And Daisy looked at me and she said, Really? Really? Jack, you gotta <laughs> Jack, you gotta calm down. This is not that funny. And <laughs> we'll start with ratings. Gabe's our guest of honor. He gets to go first. So Gabe, you're in the bank, you're talking to the banker, and you know, you're a little nervous. So the banker hands you some alt seltzer pills to pour oh, into your gosh. empty glass. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how he puts the Alta Seltzer pills in an empty. It killed yeah. me. I was like, oh, man. He's, okay. he's eating them like Gabe, how many of those oh five God. pills okay. he put into the empty glass? Um, I I think for Ringo, I'm going to put it a solid four Alka Seltzers mm. in, my, in my glass. Very nice. nice. Out of five. Very nice. We got to let the man, the legend, go next. The man with no name, but oh, yeah, Colin knows. He knows he's next. So, Colin, we're out golfing on the range, golfing on the field. We got our little pill bugs. We're popping. We're shooting them across the, the golf course. Naturally. How many of those five pill bugs are you taking your five iron and knocking them out of there? How many of those five Ooh, pill bugs? You know, this is sad. I feel for the pill bugs' plight. I feel often that I am myself 
something of a pill bug. But you know, I uh, I think I'm gonna have to take uh, four of those pill bugs and just chip them in for a hole in one. Very nice, thank you, Colin. I I, I appreciate the um, you know thinking deep about. Very nice. All right, so after we hit some pill bugs. Colin and the boys go out to eat, and we go get some Mexican food. That big bowl of guacamole is ready, and man, oh Colin is so excited God. about the guacamole. To quote the owls, he found himself sinking into the guacamole of his own deception, and Colin <laughs> is trapped at the bottom of this deep bowl of guacamole. Caleb, you got to save your buddy. Jack hands you a shovel. How many shovelfuls of guacamole are you digging Colin out? Out of five. <laughs> That's so good. Dang. Y'all both said four? No pressure, yeah, Caleb. Wow. No pressure. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go four shovelfuls. Four as well. That's, that's where I've been at this whole time. Dang. Four has been the number in my head. Very nice. Very nice. We're so proud of Caleb for saving Colin's butt out of the guacamole of deception. Thank you. So Jack's going to order some cactus juice You're for welcome. everybody. <laughs> Out of those five pitchers of cactus juice, how many are we going to start drinking? I'm going to think of the gentleman's two and a half right two now. Two and a half? You <laughs> dumb motherfucker. <laughs> two and a half stars. <laughs> I got a reputation. No, no, I no, got a reputation. They, they, my name is Jack, and I only like <laughs> movies like a bunch of plenty of time in the West. God. Oh my god! I didn't catch any of that. <laughs> yeah, we've been having some Skype issues, so whatever Colin meant to say. But was... it sounded hilarious. Hey, I edit the episode, so I'll have to hear it several times. <laughs> I'm just saying, my recording, perfect, bro. Here's the deal: the best thing I can say about this film is it made me remember. Oh, there's a lot of westerns I want to see that I haven't seen yet that this is paying homage to. So. It got me excited to watch some more westerns, which is great. A gentleman's two and a half is nothing to be ashamed of. It is. That's true. And, and Colin, if this is any comfort, it doesn't pull the average down that much. <laughs> it, it's not. But whatever. <laughs> it's also a higher rating than I gave Arrival, so whatever. God. Ooh, Jack, yeah, next time I see you, I'm kicking you in the nards. That is just <laughs> wrong, Jack. You're that... That's just all it comes down to. That's just wrong. I think as a concluding statement, what do you think could have raised the score for yeah, each Jack. of you guys? What could just have made it like better? A short tidbit. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Call it on X Games mode right now. <laughs> yeah, for real. I think, okay, so I think for me, if they would have condensed some sequences, made it maybe like an hour and a half, and had just a little bit better of story arc, I think that would have worked for me. Mm. That's my small tidbit on why it gets a four and not a five. I wanted more. Uh, I wanted more voices from Johnny Depp. I wanted more of a vocal performance from him. He did a thousand voices. I needed a thousand and three. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I don't know what could have brought the score up for me. I like that question. I think that's something I'm going to be thinking about now that you brought it up. And I really like that as a potential 
discussion point for some of the films we've talked about previously as well on this podcast. Yeah, I think if... Because I'm trying to compare it in my mind to, like... So I gave... I Lost My Body, the French animated film we discussed. I think I gave that one four and a half stars, if not five. And I'm trying to think about reasons why I gave that such a higher score than this one. I think it has to do with the depth that they were willing to go. Because that's very that, that, that's very much a... Like, not your kids and animated film. I, I, I Lost My Body. And... Rango's kind of walking that line. I think if it had committed to being PG-13, I mm. think that, that would have been interesting. <laughs> that is yeah. interesting. No, I like where you're going with that, Caleb. I think for me, the main thing I would change about this film, and I'll be honest, I, I kind of get the whole, you shouldn't talk about how they would do a film differently because they already made the film, they spent boozoos of money, yada, yada. But I think the one thing that I think would make me like this film, bump it up to three, three and a half, and this is probably going to sound a little controversial, but I don't really like Hans Zimmer's score. I think it's one of his weakest Ooh. scores that he's done. That's, I mean, that's definitely fair. I don't remember the music. I remember a lot more of the characters, and I think that's saying something for sure. It's one of those scores that's very indebted to Ennio Morricone, which makes sense because it's a it's a western. You know, they want to pay homage. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to pay tribute to the westerns, the classics. But there's just this weird moment where they do the ecstasy of gold style. You know, trumpets blaring and da 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 da, and it's real exciting. But they play it during the scene where Rango's just walking around at night, and it's just all these medium shots on Rango. It's not really anything grand or epic, or the scale just isn't. It doesn't fit the music, and I think it's a mixture of it being one of Hans Zimmer's weaker scores, but also the music not necessarily being placed at the most appropriate points. That that's what I think would be the biggest thing I would change about this film. Do you think it's intentional, or do you think that's like an artistic choice that was missed out? The music not being at the specific points it's supposed to be. I, I think it was probably a budgeting thing. I bet there was. I, I bet Hans Zimmer didn't get to watch the footage that he was making the music for, because you know it's, oh, we kind of talk about Bill Nye okay. and Johnny Depp being on Gore Verbinski's contact list. Hans had worked with mm-hmm. uh, Verbinski in the past with the Pirates movies, and I think the Pirates score is really, really good. So that's a better example of Zimmer and Verbinski working together. I think this one, they just kind of called him in and said, oh, can you do a score tribute? You know, that's very much in tribute to the classic westerns. And I don't think he ever really got to see kind of what the scenes they were going to put those songs with. That's what I think happened. Jack, I think I think I understand what you're saying. So you're you're basically saying if they would have had more like, let's say, uh, Travis Scott auto tune <laughs> like somewhere in the middle, you would have liked it a lot more. Is yeah, that this needs saying? to end with the Tenet song. Every movie needs to end with <laughs> Travis Scott singing that. Okay, Loki, I do yeah. like that. How? Because I have mixed feelings on Tenet. Colin hasn't seen Tenet yet. We're gonna do a very long. 10 minute tenant talk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When Colin watches Tenet, ladies and gentlemen, we will have Tenet talk, I promise. But that's a movie I have a lot of mixed feelings about. But man, them ending the movie, cut to credits, Travis Scott song comes in, iconic. Great, great mm. ending to a film. I will say that. nothing beat listening to that right after the right after Tenet and then going to McDonald's and getting the Travi Patty. That was... <laughs> Pure gold. Oh, <laughs> <God. laughs> 
That covers our talk about Rango. We are going to introduce a new segment, our first episode with a guest. So we're going to introduce a new segment in honor of our guest. And we're just going to kind of call this the open forum for now. Because this is basically our guest, Mr. Gabe's opportunity to come on to Yats and just kind of talk about whatever's on his mind. It could be film-related, non-film-related. We just want to hear what Gabe wants to bring to the table for the Yats crew to discuss. And I think, Gabe, if I remember correctly, off mic we were talking a little bit about video games, correct? That's right. So I was hoping for us to kind of delve into the idea of video games in their own art form and and also how much influence they take from movies and also vice versa, how much influence movies take from video games. Interesting. I have a comment. Can I comment? I'm going to comment. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go, you know what? Start I'm going to make a comment. comment Even though everyone objects, I'm still going to do it. All right, here we go. I, I have an object, <laughs> Colin. No, no objections. Go, Colin. So we recently viewed a film. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called uh, Six Underground by Michael Bay. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. I firmly believe that uh, in Six Underground, they were heavily influenced by the making of video games because there were a great many scenes in that movie that I feel like I've literally played in third-person shooting games before. There's so much explosions happening. There's so many cars being chased. There's so many all that kind of stuff going that if someone was not influenced from a video game, I would tell them that they are straight lying, bro. Michael Bay, you're full of shit. You play video games. I know you did. (laughs) (laughs) Colin, great, great comment. I love where you're going with that. Definitely no objections here. If Caleb has an objection, Michael I'll kick him off the call. We're gonna, no, but um, in all seriousness, I do want to just give the listeners a quick update. Gabe hasn't listened to the Six Underground episode yet, so if Gabe makes a comment about that film that we already made, I apologize. I should have got him a copy of that episode because it hasn't come out yet. Oops. We record out of order. Uh-oh. What am I going to do? Uh-oh. <laughs> no, but actually, I'll go ahead and answer Colin's question, too. Or not Colin's question, but respond or rebuttal to Colin's comment. So in Six Underground, one thing we talked about that Colin and I in particular really liked was how they showed people get hit by cars and blown up, and you see a lot of civilian casualties, and it's really intense and in your face. Here's the deal. Look, Ma and Pa at home, you think little Susie, little Bobby are so pure and innocent. You think those 14-year-olds are great kids. They're playing Grand Theft Auto V. They're running over the civilians. They're doing bad things in that game. And here's the deal. Hell yeah. I think because of stuff like Grand Theft Auto, producers kind of give people like Michael Bay the, okay, you can show some more destruction and crazy things happening to passerbys. So I don't know if that's kind of where Colin's going with that, but that was my first reaction when Colin brought up Six Underground in comparison to video game. Wait, isn't the original, the like the quote-unquote quote, quote unquote, new Transformers... That came out in 2000, what was it, 10 or 9 or something like that? Isn't it PG-13? All the Transformers movies are PG-13. But Six yeah, Underground sure. is a hard one. The... Okay. I just don't... How is Transformers PG-13 and Rango isn't? I, I don't know. Because there's a masturbation I don't, I don't joke in Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. There you go, Gabe. <laughs> okay, yeah. I must have missed that. Colin, do you have anything else you wanted to add with that in Six Underground and video games? No, Six Underground just it 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 captures that idea of video games uh, much more 
than in movies I've seen recently. I was trying to think. Oh, so this is actually perfect. I'm Gabe. I'm glad you brought this to discussion because I recently viewed a film called Nine, featuring Elijah Wood. Hey, I know that movie with the great Coheating Cambria trailer. Anyway, so here's the deal. That movie is also designed very, very much like a video game. Mm-hmm. There's just so many like little quests that they finish, and then they immediately start a new quest. It's it's literally structured like a video game is, and it's yeah. even like animated, kind of like a video game. I think there was actually a nine video game that was probably poo poo garbage, but they like I feel like that's a like that's a, a fun style type of a movie that I don't know if it was necessarily influenced by video games itself, but in that way I think video games could be influenced by that movie. Because there are just so many grand set pieces that would lend themselves so well to like a gameplay segment that it just fell a little bit flat when you were watching it in the form of a movie as opposed to being able to play it as a video game. And like I said, I'm pretty sure there is a movie tie-in game that's like big two thumbs down garbage. But like someone could, in theory, make a game that's very similar animate uh, thematically and animation-wise to nine the movie and i think it would translate really well it's it's it screams action game well and a big part of nine two is that the different members of that character base each kind of have their own strengths and weaknesses so it's almost yes. like the party members of an rpg from a certain perspective exactly no but i like where colin's going i'll transition a little bit out of colin's talking points because i think colin is right in analyzing the genres of you know, action, adventure, very violent films, and how they translate with video games. Because, yeah, you got games like Tetris, you got games like Stardew Valley, but the reality is, is video games as a medium, for the most part, you think of the Call of Duties, you think of the Uncharted's, you think of something like Metal Gear Solid or Final Fantasy, where there is action, adventure, violence. So it's kind of hard not to have that compare and contrast with action-adventure cinema. If, if that's kind of something you were thinking about too, Gabe, in regards to this discussion. Definitely. There were some specific examples where I can see how video games take from movies. This is probably a little more niche, but there's a specific trailer for Battlefield 3 that's like 15 minutes long, and it's a gameplay trailer, but it plays out exactly through the story missions while also highly resembling a scene in like a war movie. It, you know, there, there's it's really tense, there's a firefight, things blow up. Like it's, it's, it's a really, really cool trailer by itself. You guys can watch it later. But that example that I wanted to bring up to interest, and there's also a one and a half minute trailer from Dead Space 2 that has the a soundtrack by uh, Smashing Pumpkins. It's the song Bullet with uh, Butterfly Wings. You know, despite all my rage. Yeah, you yeah. Know. And it's cool because the lyrics resemble what's going on in, you know, the video game while also being like an EA trailer, being super crazy, explosions, you know, scary monster, blah, 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 trying to set the tone. Just just on like on a general topic, how even like the trailers themselves borrow, I think, from movie trailers. The, the, the similarities, I feel like, end and begin wherever you can see them it's not like a quote-unquote here or there type of thing the thing that i find interesting is that through video games if you guys have played them or seen stuff on them like grand theft auto like metal gear solid and even more niche things like stardew valley or even animal crossing 
they all have the storyline, the gameplay that follows it, you know what I mean? Just in the same way, like, the specific character in the movie follows his 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 trope. He follows his story, not his, I'm sorry, their, uh, their storyline and their trope. Um, I'm interested to hear specifically, Jack, because you're a vid- big video game player, obviously, some instances where you can uh, say specific things, specific scenes in movies or video games that you think cross over or take influence from each other. Do you have anything to say about that? Oh, I'm not alone there. Colin and Caleb, they're big gamers, too. They would kick my butt at Apex. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to Gabe. He's a big Apex player. He's very good. Level 259, baby. He, yeah. Gabe is way better at that game than me, for sure. And shout out to Colin for giving us season Honestly, eight. Honestly, right? That was huge. When are we going to sue? Hey, when are... This is a now official video game movie crossover, bro. When are we going to freaking sue... Uh, what's it called? Respawn Games for stealing my champion design concept. Dude, I, I saw <laughs> the tra- wholesaling putting it in I the game, bro. The when are we gonna talk about this, dude? Pal, fuse, please. And oh my god, you changed the name, and they will never be able to notice, bro. <laughs> fuck you, Respawn Games. Never playing Apex. <laughs> I saw the trailer and I was like, oh god, I have to go back and listen to the episode where they talked about, <laughs> where they made their Apex Legends, and I was like, Colin is dead on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what he said the new legend would be. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Yeah. No, yeah. but in all seriousness, go back, listen to episode 11, Once Upon a Time in the West. That episode was released, not recorded, but released on September 16th of 2020. So, yeah. Respawn, we, we might need to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee, you think? Sheesh. Iconic, iconic. Anyways, I'm sorry, Gabe. I got us a little off track. What, no, were you, what was your question so to me? I was saying, video games and movies? Um, if you guys had specific examples as far as video games that take influence from movies or movies that take influence from video games very like specific scenes or like moments in video games that you can think of yeah so my kind of go-to example there is i've always taught thought a little bit about and i think i even read an article about it once this idea of a chaotic action on screen and you can really see it in the early mid 2000s films like the Bourne trilogy and nolan's batman movies they have a very rapid way of editing the scenes together and part of the reason they do that is because the characters aren't actually punching each other you know it's not jackie chan breaking half the bones in his body during a fight christian bale and the stunt guys they're not really hitting each other they're just cutting really quick before the punch lands and because of that you get this very quick rapid flow now those movies come out all of a sudden you see kind of a rise in the popularity of video games grand theft auto metal gear solid uncharted games where in the perspective of a camera, you usually have the camera right behind the character or in the perspective of a first-person game through the literal eyes of the character you're playing as. So therefore, the player has to watch all the violence, all the action. And you almost kind of see that in film. Especially, did you guys ever see The Ray Redemption 2012? Ray Redemption? No. Never. Never. Like, that is a film, a lot of people argue it influenced the John Wick movies, but I would say the Raid movies and the John Wick movies go for a much more directors are using a steady cam or a dolly to follow the action, and they never cut away from the violence. 
And obviously, you get in the whole discussion of PG-13 movies versus R-rated movies. Yeah. But that's something I think about a lot with the John Wick films. Especially the first one, when the guys invade his house, or when he's in the nightclub chasing Theon Greyjoy around. The camera rarely <laughs> cuts. It just kind of follows him. And that's kind of more of a perspective you would see in a video game. Yeah. I find that interesting, especially with a lot of like third-person video games. Yeah, the distinction is... is yeah, I can see that. I mean, look look at even, like, here is a PG-13 movie. Look at, like, Ryan Coogler's Black Panther. Ryan Coogler, you know. Okay. He's, he's someone on the uppity-up. Everyone loves Mr. Coogler. He's, <laughs> he made Marvel quite a bit of money with Black Panther. That scene where they're in the nightclub and Andy Serkis shows up and they all start fighting, they do the, you know, one-shot, no-cuts around all the action. And obviously they're not following a specific character like you would in a video game, but that lack of cuts is definitely emphasizing something that I think has a very video gamey stance. And you could argue, oh, well, Black Panther, they're using spears, but of course there's no blood, oh, and it's kind of like, come on, guys, like, they're selling this to kids or whatever. There are definitely examples out there that you can dig through where you see that video game influence, and I would argue with cinema, there's that, the cut, and you're always going to get the cut in movies, you might not get the cut, but that's always something that could potentially be there. Whether there's video games, you're not really going to get the cut. Look at the um, 2018 God of War. I, I, was, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. yeah, Gabe, you know that they try to do like the Birdman thing, don't they? Where yeah, the camera much. never cuts. Even through the actual title sequence, when you press new game, there is not a single cut all the way up to the very end of like the conclusion of the journey. It's incredible. I think I, that I may be so why I don't like the so game much, as much. I gave, I gave so much like <laughs> Sorry, analyzation that, to it. I said I think that may be why I don't like it as much, honestly. <laughs> keep going with that. I'm curious. Keep going with that. I'm curious about that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Why? Yeah. Because yeah, like I I've tried playing yeah. God of War so many times because I own it, and I'm like, oh, like I played. Jack lived with me when I went through the first Wait, three did, God of Wait, did you Fours. say God of Four? Yeah, yeah. God of Four, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> That's kind of Caleb and I were inside joke with the game. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Jack lived with me when I, you know, played God 1, 2, and 3, and and he, you know, helped me out in a lot of those games. Yeah. And I love those games a lot. They're very near and dear to me because, like, I love Greek mythology. I'm a sucker for those, for that aesthetic and that Oh, and for that sure. Genre. Wait, real quick. I want to yeah. clarify something because... I don't want all of our haters saying that Caleb's not a real gamer girl. Here's the thing. When Caleb <laughs> needed help out, there are some really stupid parts in this, uh, those games, especially the first and second game, where you have to mash the R2 button 20,000 times, and Caleb yeah. would be like, Jack, my finger's on fire, and I'd be like, breaking that control. Dude, yeah, I feel that. Caleb, I promise, he's a I'm not Yeah, he was jamming the steroids right into my finger. Dude, yeah, as like a 13-year-old kid trying to do the button mashing sequence to like just to open a door, I feel that 100%. Dude, clearly you guys did not jerk off enough as teenagers because those were never a problem. That, that, that is the obvious one hand point. in his Xbox controller. Jesus the the Christ, he be from, from mashing and bashing at the same time. <laughs> nah, but like, yeah, so I tried God of Four a couple of times and I'm like, I, I just can't get into this because. I, I don't feel like I'm like they want you to get the sense that you're immersed in this story that you really never leave. Like, like it's like this open world, like MMO RPG concept. But like, I never got that feeling, but I also never got the classic God of War feeling either. It was this weird, like 
place that I didn't know what it was trying to be. I don't know. Does does that make sense, Gabe? Do you think that it follows the similarity between Kratos and Atreus trying to figure out what they're trying to be? I mean, maybe that's the whole idea. Or it also could just be huge oversight because I also felt that. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know. Maybe it just means I need to keep giving it more. more chances. I don't know. Maybe it <laughs> just means you need to get good and get those yeah, kitty cat headphones. Good. Holy cow! <laughs> kitty cat head. Dang, I should get. Dang, good thinking. I wonder if they have the fox grow. I mean, uh, yeah, this discussion I think is going. <laughs> Bro, Jack is a furry. Confirmed here on the podcast. No, Jack just needs a new gaming chair. That's the only problem. <laughs> yeah, his current one doesn't have a dildo on it, so. <laughs> Where are we? Don't Freaking say Gabe. that. Gabe, this is your fault. He's always behaves himself. No, I'm just kidding. Colin never behaves himself. We know. Dude, I got to show off for our guests. I'm um, peacocking for our new guests. Colin never behaves himself. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Quick, quick yeah, thing I game. wanted to yeah. talk about with with video games um, influence. There are direct. Um, what do you what do you want to call it? Uh, uh, movie based video games. So, for instance, you have like the Harry Potter games that came out on PS2. You also have the Lord of the Rings games right. that came out right. on Amazing. PS2. Um, you have Peter Jackson's uh, official King Kong video Bro, game. That I game think that was, was the actual so title of that one. And then you have like the Lego shoot-offs, and you have like the the Matrix games and things like that. How do you guys feel about those as their own individual piece of work? Um, and also, how do you feel about them compared to the movies themselves? If you guys have played them, I don't mm. know if you have. Has anyone really here played uh, Enter the Matrix: Path of Neo? I played that one. Yeah, dude, I never. played that one at your house, Colin. Yeah, dude. So that game, it it's. It's honestly just like your typical button masher brawler. Like the gameplay itself is not anything like ooh crazy. Yeah, you have to beat the game first before you're allowed to enter in cheat codes. What kind of shit is that? But like, yeah. <laughs> at the end of that game, you want to talk about a movie tie-in, bro. You know, at the end of Matrix Evolutions, right, where all of the all there, he's fighting all of the Smiths, and then it ends up just being the one Smith, right? And he starts beating him up, and he goes. This is my world, Anderson. My world! And then all of a sudden, in the game, it (laughs) cuts to white. To, like, the white room that Morphe was in uh, in in Matrix 1, right? And then these two little 8-bit animated, like, characters walk up. And they're voiced, and they go, Hi, we're the Wachowski brothers. This is back when they were brothers. (laughs) And And they literally are like, yeah, I know what you're thinking. You know, like, this whole Jesus thing is probably not the best idea for a, for a video game. So we figured you wanted some 15 minutes of button-pressing nonstop action. So rather instead of doing the ending of the movie, we decided to have all the Smiths jump on top of each other and make a giant Smith robot. Here you go. And then it cuts back to the game, and there's this giant Smith robot, and you have to fight it. Oh, my God. It was incredible it was one of the funniest things in a video game ever and it was just so fourth wall breaking it was just blatant it stopped and it's like hi we're the wachowski brother oh definitely that brings me up to another point that i love that 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 is so blatant and in your face like fourth wall breaking which which makes me think about metal gear solid on the ps2 his his kind of debut i'm sorry the playstation one 
um, which is when he went to Shadow Moses Island. There's a scene where he fights oh, one Psycho of the Mantis. the yeah. Bo- he wanted, yeah, where he fights Psycho Mantis, and it's more of a kind of relaxed version of that, where Psycho Mantis is like, oh, he like reads your memory card. He's like, you play Castlevania. Yeah, or like, yeah. There's a portion where you have to switch your controller to player to, two, from port one bro. to port two, so he can't like track your you know quote-unquote track your button mashing or like whatever you're doing it's so cool like i feel like the fourth wall break in a video game is so much more engaging than it is in a movie i don't know if that's like a heated <laughs> debate point but I, I don't know i i get so much more out of it it's certainly a movie. tougher to do in a video game i think it, we, let me rephrase it's mm-hmm. tougher to do well in a video game a movie like deadpool for instance where it's just like Mm-hmm. constant fourth wall breaking where that's the that is the primary thing about the film it can get a little bit it's funny for the first few times and then after that you're like Ooh, maybe they come up with a better joke i don't know but when they do it in a video game like for example in that dating sim game jack that we did um jack help me out dating sim game the animated <laughs> story where you get to pick one of the four high school girls uh, Doki, oh, uh, Doki, Doki, Doki Literature Club. Yeah, that game, Doki, oh Doki Literature Club. Stupid game. So at the end of that game, right, you have to delete a file Doki, that the game Doki. put on your computer. Call him on his cat returns. Next thing you know, he's going back all anime mode. Yeah, dude. My you, have to, you have to to beat the final boss. You have to delete a file in your game. Like that's incredible. Like open up, like literally click the little file explorer on your computer and delete a file to beat the final boss. That is nutty, bro. That's a fourth wall break. I mean, you could probably say that same thing about Undertale, couldn't you? Oh, for sure. I haven't played Undertale, so I don't know that one as good, but... Oh, Undertale's so good. I love that game. Great game. You know, Colin talking about Enter the Mate. Man, that says 10th grade Colin and Jack spending the night at each other's <laughs> houses, eating pizza, popcorn, watching Billy Madison playing Enter the... Good times. Good times. Man, that sounds like fun. That yeah, does. Can we talk about Enter the <laughs> Matrix, mean, the ones before Path of Neo, where it followed the everyone's favorite side characters in the Matrix movies, Ghost and Niobe? Oh my god, yes. I love that game. <laughs> Just so y'all know, Niobe is Morpheus's girlfriend, and Ghost is a guy on her ship. Dude, he's just a badass. That's just, that's what Ghost is. He's just cool. He's just, yeah. That's Who true. are the twins with the white dreadlocks? The ones that can, like, more, those two are the best. I don't know. Matrix those Reloaded. are, those are the Wachowski, oh, fuck, I don't The Wachowski know. brothers? Those are the, those are the Wachowski brothers. Is it brothers. really? The, no, is it play? No, it's oh, not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be like, bro, that's one of those urban legends that you're like, that could be true, man. No, oh, it could man. be. I think it's like I think it's like a subtle detail, like ooh, it could be, but is it really? And it's it's obviously not, but I don't know, man. I I encourage Wait, everyone, they... not just on this podcast, but also listen, go back and listen to like the music inspired by the Matrix Reloaded, like album, like <laughs> not music in the movie, but inspired by it. Ooh, the new metal. It's it's what <laughs> it is yeah. a genre that man. I don't know if I would still like it if it was still popular today, but man, like new metal was wow, what a scene! I was too young to really remember it, but it's it's great. Go listen to that album. 
Anyways, we're kind of going all over the place here, which I love. I love that the conversation's flowing, everyone's excited. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. Do we have any other kind of specific movies or video games we want to talk about in regards to this discussion? I really like what Gabe's brought here, and I think we can keep going if you guys want. Yeah, I do have um, a specific... Well, it's very... It's more specific than I think than a movie or a film. Uh, I think that's something we haven't really talked about yet. And that's the influence of video games or maybe even virtual reality on the art of filming or the techniques behind filming. Oh, okay. I was reading about this because I recently rewatched and now I'm rereading Ready Player One. And Steven Spielberg, in his process of filming Ready Player One, how many of you have actually seen this? film or read the story i i haven't seen it or read it but i know that there is so much video game influence in it even yeah. like with the characters for um, sure yeah so i won't spoil anything but i specifically want to talk about how spielberg filmed some of it is he had the actors actually wear these virtual reality rendering like goggles mm-hmm. that let them visualize the oasis which is the virtual reality that's main world in ready player one um allowed them to actually render that so they could see it as they were acting in those scenes oh wow and i think that is really fascinating to me because that blends the idea of exploring the world of a video game and participating in it and like you're filming a movie and you're acting and so these characters and these actors were actually living in this world in their mind when they were being filmed. And I think that's fascinating. Wow. Yeah, that is so cool because like green screen and like mocap in general has like a limit. I feel that you can hit as far as like, you know, using your imagination to play mm-hmm. out the scene in your head. Yeah, that is that's wild. I, I had no clue that was even a thing. Yeah. And all the actors talked about how it felt like they were kids again, like living in their fantasies oh cool and they yeah. just had that kid like in energy on set which is like so cool to think about <laughs> this is kind of i mean it's kind of related kind of not because i think the the film i'm about to bring up has some narrative elements that <laughs> i mean literally it's about avatars it's the movie avatar i read recently that <laughs> avatar 2 is going to be the most expensive movie ever made wow oh so <laughs> wait the 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 blue people yeah, the the, like how there's how there's a sequel coming out. They show yeah. footage from oh, the set, and it's yeah. basically like Kate Winslet's hanging out with Zoe's Saldana and uh, whatever the other guy's name is, the main character. And they're like in these giant tanks of water, like aquarium-sized tanks, and they're all wearing these crazy like mocap things. And I've heard reports that it's going to be the most expensive movie ever made, which is it sounds wild. expensive, yeah. Yeah. All right. No, since Avatar we talked about Avatar, oh, Jack, go ahead. I was gonna, that's always an interesting example because that's a movie about a character literally becoming an avatar to interact with right. a larger-than-life world. Yeah. That is so crazy. I was going to say, since you brought up Avatar, I just have to say this. Like The only thing I think about when when Avatar comes out now is when Lil Dicky says in his song, Too High, that they put a decade and a half up, up in that shit Avatar, and they didn't even put a second and a half into the script. <laughs> Damn. 
<laughs> I mean, that, Wait, I don't that get it. movie is so technologically advanced, but it, it yeah, I mean, it, 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 it yeah. falls short as far as story goes. Like, I, I yeah. remember absolutely nothing about the story <laughs> of that movie. Oh, That's because yeah, the point, thing. Jack, is they put so much into the production and everything behind it, but they didn't put near as much time into the actual script and the story behind it. Colin, what were you about to say about Avatar? It's a poo-poo film. <laughs> I remember oh, back in ninth grade, Colin was like so hung up on the Dark Knight, and then Avatar came out, beat its record, and Colin was like, "Worst movie ever," and everybody's like, "Well, why was it bad?" And Colin goes, "Haven't seen it. Worst movie ever." Still haven't seen it. Worst movie ever. I don't this is worse than even the shape of water, bro. That's all bad. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's funny. Well, speaking of Guillermo del Toro, let's kind of go back to the video game discussion as we finalize that. Del Toro's friends with your boy Hideo Kojima, isn't he, Gabe? Oh, yes. Okay, so if I if I think I know what you're about to talk about... No, no, it, go for it. Yeah, about... you go okay. for it. You're good. Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro, they got together to work on what would be uh, kind of, I think it was like a Silent Hills type of demo. I think it was technically called oh, PT. PT. Yeah, yeah. And it released on the PlayStation. That was single-handedly, outside of like the Slenderman Flash games and like Amnesia, the most terrifying interactive thing that I've played on as far as video games go. That was incredible. They took so many design and like elemental cues as far as like the environment that you play in and you know the jump scares and like just the tenseness of like being immersed in the world that it felt like you were watching a movie and playing a video game at the same time it was incredible i i have not played anything or seen anything like that besides maybe like the original dead space that put me at that much like tenseness yeah and pt's fascinating in that it's kind of a game that wasn't even complete but almost not everything, but a good chunk of horror-related video games afterwards were very much influenced by that, especially like Resident Evil 7 and a lot of the very Resident first Evil person. 7, highly, for sure, yes. It's it's interesting how PT is a game that never even like saw the finalized version getting... I don't even think it got completed, if I remember my no, video game it, history it, correctly. It, it didn't, because I think... Oh, what was it? Konami... It was right before Konami fired Hideo Kojima... And they yeah, had the executive right. rights to it or something like that, which sucks. <laughs> but that's a good piece of video game history if you want to look up Hideo Kojima, PT, and the whole Konami stuff. That's an interesting slice of a video game history. And one thing I always I kind of like talking about with Hideo Kojima is there is a lot of people, both hardcore video game fans and kind of just the casual player base who kind of view the commentaries and stuff, who like to talk about the idea of Hideo Kojima being one of video games' first big auteurs. And I kind of wanted to get Gabe's thoughts on that because it's interesting how the whole auteur theory of a director being the artist behind their project is something that, I want to say it really originated with filmmakers, especially French Nouveau Wave scene in the 60s. And it's always interesting when people talk about video games and the idea of an auteur behind a project because I think there's an argument to be made that there's a lot more kind of creative decisions that impact a video game versus a film, and that's the type of thing we could spend a whole hour arguing about. But I was curious how you kind of felt about it, because I've only really played a handful of the Metal Gear Solid games, and you mm-hmm. are more of a completionist and have covered the series more than I have, Gabe. So I was oh, curious yeah. if you have any thoughts on that in regards to Kojima's impact as kind of a you know artist, author in regards to video games. 
I would say as far as I've seen, especially with the um, development company Santa Monica and the people that made Horizon Zero Dawn, people have a lot of, at least in the video game realm, people have a lot of respect for Hideo Kojima. I think not only as a director and as a writer, but also because the way that he is so cohesive with his team he has really, really close friendship and ties with not only his animator, but also his lead graphic designer and artist. And I think, like, when you're that type of person, when you're so smart and you're so intelligent and so, I guess, quote-unquote, like, imaginative and being able to bring a lot of these ideas and these concepts to life, you also have to be a good person. And, you know, I think that's the same with, like, making movies or, you know, whatever. If you want to be, like, a recording artist, you have to be presentable so you can work with other people. You, you know, if you want to make movies and be a good director you got to be a nice person and like have good actors that want to work with you you know what i mean like i think the same idea applies to why hideo kojima himself is so revered and why he even got picked up and is fully backed by by a company like sony you know what i mean a huge i think multi-billion dollar studio so i mean as far as him being revered and like you know the type of person that he is as a director as an artist like i mean it comes down to that, I feel like. Nice, nice. Well, I like that answer, Gabe. Before we kind of conclude this segment, Colin, Caleb, do you guys have any final thoughts in regards to the video game discussion and talking about film and video games and how they impact each other? I don't think so, man. I think Gabe covered it. He's killing his tryout yeah. right now. I mean, it's his tryout. <laughs> We're gonna have <laughs> tryouts. Make it fast. I mean, this all, we could talk about this for a long. We could have a whole God, podcast episode just about. You could have a whole podcast just about this topic, right. which I love that you're bringing this to the table. Um, I could talk more, but I don't like want to just get us on another trail on a topic. Like I want to, yeah. I want us to keep the ball rolling. We we still got some stuff to talk about uh, in our next segment for sure. All right, Gabe, any final things you want to conclude in this open forum about movies and um, video games? I would say, if anything, um, if you're not familiar with Hideo Kojima or a lot of his bigger works, maybe take a sec to watch a YouTube video on it. Pretty cool stuff. He's, at this point, more of a director than he is a movie... I'm sorry, video game producer. Um, I'd also like to point out that the Lord of the Rings video games on PS2 are severely underrated. If you haven't Amen. looked at them or played them, play them. And also, oh, they're so good. Kingdom Hearts has fallen off, and I think that that is something that we need to talk about later. But that's all I got. Agreed. I like oh, Gabe that. will be back. We like Gabe. Gabe's going to replace Colin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, we love you. We can Honestly, never replace you. Nobody can replace you, Colin. Oh, I don't know about that. Colin said, I don't do podcasts. With <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have it on recording, everyone. Remember. All right, time for our final segment of the episode. This is kind of a surprise segment. It's called Caleb and Jack do something nice for Colin. Yeah. And and I guess Gabe, too, can be part of it. So the past couple episodes, not only did we make Colin cover a Mark Ruffalo film, but Caleb also brought another film that involved Mark (laughs) Ruffalo. And if you follow this pod, you know that was quite the chore for our good buddy Colin. I have a headache. Just thinking about it, man. Ouchie. (laughs) (laughs) So, we thought Colin's been such a good sport. Colin picked the last episode, Thor Ragnarok. Gabe picked this episode. 
normally what would happen is Kayla would pick the next episode, but because Colin's been such a good sport, we're letting Colin pick another <gasps> movie next time. Yeah. What, bro? No way. Oh. Oh, frick. Oh, no. I gotta think. While Colin takes a moment to think of a film, I'm gonna give a little challenge to Gabe and Caleb. Oh, okay. We're gonna play a quick little competitive game called The Films That Came Out in Gabe's Birth Year. Oh, God. So right now, I have the letterbox list of 1997 films, the most popular films of 1997. And what I'm going to do is, while Colin thinks of a movie for next time, I'm going to pull these movies up, and Gabe and Caleb have to guess what their average rating is. And whoever gets closer okay. gets a point. Ooh, okay. And then when Colin okay. picks of, a movie... Out of five or out of ten? What? Out of five or out of ten? Out of five. Okay. And remember, it could be like anything from like 3.4 to 2 point, so it's a point system. Sure, sure, for sure, sure yeah. So yeah. Gabe, Caleb, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right, first movie up, James Cameron's Titanic. What do you think the average rating is? Um, I'll, I'll go first. I think James Cameron's Titanic got an average rating of... And whoever gets closer say, is the one who wins, gets the point. Okay, I'm going to say it is 3.25. Okay, I think that's Caleb? a good score. I'm going to say 4.2. 3.8. Caleb wins, it was 3.7. Ooh, Damn. that's much higher. Or that's much lower than I expected, actually. Bro, I was so yeah. close. Colin's over there. <laughs> Colin, you gotta pick a movie. I already know yeah, my yeah, movie, yeah. dude. I'm ready. Oh, you are? I can't believe they made a movie about a boat that's so <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but the movie was a success. So even though the ship went down. <laughs> oh, dang. Well, Colin already Wait, picked. What's going down? on on the screen? The keep going, dude. <laughs> I see Colin taking his shirt off. Oh, my keep God. going. Good I'll God, participate. Colin. Just keep going. Okay, Colin's in this too, so we're going to make it a three-way thing. By the way, I said 3.8. I was the closest. (laughs) Caleb, are you okay with giving Colin your win? Sure, sure. Even though he originally won the part of the competition. I won. Here, I'll I'll give give you both a point because I love you both, okay? (laughs) Horseshit. All right, right, you both get a point. Okay, next movie, 1997. You got to guess the average rating. Good Will Hunting by Gus Von Sant. Oh. Okay, I Caleb go I first. Remember, because I watched it like in high school. Okay, I think Goodwill Hunting. I'm gonna say you got a three point eight. Mm. Colin nodding his head in disagreement. <laughs> what do you think it is, Colin? <laughs> Four point one. You're such an asshole, Colin. That's not going to go like 0.1 over the he next He said 0.1? 4.1? What are you talking about? He it's said 4.3 higher than well, I'm gonna you. Well, I'm going to say... That's like, that's, that's, like, that's like in those stupid game shows where they're like, how much is this worth? 6.50. And the next person goes, 6.51. First of all, Gabe, those stupid game show that you're referring to is The Price is Right. Don't you dare disperse. Price you, is Right You proved my point, Colin. You're an asshole. Oh, you proved my What a legend. <laughs> well... <laughs> In the, in the spirit of Price is Right, I'm going to guess 3.9. So, <laughs> so wait, oh, Jesus Christ. said 3.8. Caleb said 3.9. Colin said 4.1. Yes. Uh, the average rain for Goodwill Hunting is 4.2. Oh, what? Dang. <laughs> I know what the people want, baby. Google pulled up. <laughs> All right. Score is Gabe 0, Caleb 1, Colin 2. Colin, since you're leading, you have to guess first next one. Next film from 1997, Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. Oh, gosh. 
Oh. All right. I'm going to go with the the solid 3.5, baby. Okay. All right, Caleb. You All go. right. I'm going to say 4.3. <gasps> I was going to say 4. Okay. All right. I'm going to say 4.7. That's high. Yeah. So just a heads up, Gabe, because I love you, and you know you're my brother-in-law. I got to keep you like. Most films, except Parasite, don't have over a four point five. Just want to give you that update. And the average rating for Princess Mononoke is four point three. I did it. I nailed it exactly. What? That's that's awesome. (laughs) I was gonna say four point five, but I don't want to be too close because that would be cheating, Colin. All right. Next up, Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie (laughs) Nights. I've never seen that one. Oh, I haven't. Caleb, seen Caleb, you got the last one right. You gotta go first. Oh gosh, I have no, I, I know nothing about this film. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say three point seven. Can you say the film again? I didn't. Hear <laughs> Boogie it. Nights by Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, all right. So this is one of those uh, fancy pants uh, movie boy movies. <laughs> movie boy. Let's movies. see. Uh, these are the kind of films that Jack's kind of people would like. Jack's kind of people. Okay. Okay, hold on. So, what would furries be nice? Gabe, while he's thinking about that, do you want to guess? Uh, oh, God. Boogie Nights, I'm going to say, just for the hell of it, I'm going to say 2.9. Whoa. Oh, no. That's, see, see, now I think that's too low. Yeah, what did you, what did you say, Caleb? I said 3.7 or 8, I think. That's okay. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to play the spectrum. I don't, I don't remember what right. I said, actually. <laughs> I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go three and a half, three point five. 3.5. So we got 2.9 from Gabe, 3.7 from Caleb. Yeah, let's go 3.7. 3.5 from Colin. Yeah. Final answer, 4.2. Caleb wins. Dang. God, I'm an let's idiot. Let's go. 4.2. Dang, Paul Thomas Anderson coming, coming in. How did I not hits. know? All right, time to go anime mode again. We are going with Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. No one knows that movie, Jack. I love that movie. What do you mean? That's a great movie. No one knows what that movie is, bro. Okay, all right. Okay, Colin, have you ever seen Black Swan? Sure. Yes, I have. Black Swan, but good. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, Black Swan. Oh, God. Bro. (laughs) No, Perfect Blue, That's my guess. 1.0, 1.0, dude. Okay, Colin says 1.0. Gabe, what do you say? I'm going to say a solid 4.3. Okay, how about you, Caleb? Yeah, who am I? I'm going to change my guess. Uh, 3. Point, what'd you say, Colin? I'm going to say 4.8. I'm going to say that weirdos like Jack have inflated the score of this film. Oh, you said 4.8? 4.8. 4. 4. Okay, well, bro. I'm saying like 3.3. Like, that's where I'm at. Gabe, did you say 4.3? That's what I said. That was a good answer, because that's the average rating. Wow, nice, Gabe. All right. So right now we have Gabe at 1, Caleb at 3, Colin at 2. Yeah. I vote whoever gets five first wins. Or do we want to do seven? This last point is five. Five We're going to get two out of hand if we go to seven. Hey, I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm having fun. Colin's learned about new movies. (laughs) Right. All right, next up, from the boy, Quinn Tarantino, Jackie Brown. Oh, God. Ooh. Oh, God, I haven't seen this one either. I'm a, Karen, I'm a Tarantino Who's buff. Who's going first? Okay. Um, I'll go first, cause, so I can deal with the shame of losing. I'm going to say 
It was a... I'm going to say it was an even four. Ooh. I'm going to say uh, 3.6. Dang. It's not his best film, bro. Golly. Well, I feel bad if I go between those two numbers. That sucks. Um, I'm going to say 3... We said 3.4, Colin, or 3.6? Yeah, 3.6. You said 3.6? And what did Gabe say? Four. Four. I said four even. I think it's I think it's three point oh gosh. I'm gonna go three point nine. The average <laughs> range is three point eight. Caleb wins. Dang. <laughs> One more and Caleb wins. You boys better catch what up. What a guy. All right. All right, time for something real high art. Screw anime, screw Tarantino. All We're right. going with Men in Black. <laughs> the original? The yeah, first the one? first one. Ooh, that came oh, out in 97? And I'm just going to say this on the record. This average rating is way too low. Ooh. You think so? You don't even know what it is. Oh, God. So I don't know. I don't, but okay. I'm just going to give like, that hint. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Caleb, you go. I'll go Caleb first. I'm going to say, say 2.9. 2.1. Oh. It's not an incredible film but it has a special place in my yes, heart yes it is oh, okay. incredible gonna... take that back <laughs> you think, do you think so I love Men okay. in Black what a great film alright but if it's too low I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say 2.7 you guys think Men in Black is better than Ringo right please tell me you think it's better than Ringo uh, uh, it's up there. I wouldn't say. I think they're better in different ways. I don't it's think it's blatantly better. Shut up, Colin. I think in the same playing field for me. Like I can yeah, compare them definitely. and talk about them. That's that's interesting. Same. So wait, say your guesses again. Sorry. Two point nine. Two point one. Two point seven. The too low average rating for Men in Black is three point five. Caleb wins. That is significantly higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, when you said too low, I was like, oh, it's going to be around three, not like 3.5 or... I thought thought he was giving a clue saying too low. Well, I'm kind of throwing some jackisms in there. So shout out to Caleb, the official winner of the 1997 Well, to be fair, Jack, I probably spent a lot more time on Letterboxd than Gabe and Colin do. Honestly, yeah. (laughs) To be fair, I had the letterbox open the entire time, and I still fit. I'm sorry. <laughs> this Colin is so cool. He need to win. I, I, I was playing Dark Souls with the IGN game guide right next to me, and I still died. I still died, bro. Out of me. <laughs> All right. Let's close the episode out. Colin, even though we won't have Gabe with us next time, what are we all going to watch? I, I'm just so overjoyed that you gave me this opportunity to share a film that is now near and dear to my heart you might know it you might love it everyone we're watching cereal mom baby cereal mom cereal mom cereal mom let's go dude i'm excited to watch it new favorite movie let's do it cereal mom cereal mom nice colin good pick good pick oh i love it so much gabe you are in for a treat a skedeedle you know what i'm saying i can't i can't, I can't, I can't wait to you to hear you rave about this movie no <laughs> it's, 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 it's just literally the perfect film going it's over every actually green. perfect now, this will be right. exciting. It's our first john waters movie to cover this is a classic 90s film i there's a lot of 
famous 90s film that came out in 1994, but I don't think a lot of them hit the same market quality that Serial Mom hit. So I'm really happy we're talking about this one. Good job, Colin. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Well, we appreciate you for joining us. Gabe, do you want to plug anything? You know, give a shout out before we conclude this episode? Um, I mean, I think the only thing that's important to me generally, I guess, could be like the music that I put on SoundCloud. If you really want to, it's at soundcloud.com forward slash Sutarusu, and that's S-U-T-E-R-U-S-U. I'll link it in the description. For sure, yeah, that's really all I got. It's pretty good. I Gabe's a Gabe's a Gabe's a solid artist, solid musician. Any of the the BS that I spew on Twitter or Reddit is not important oh. at all. <laughs> so don't so don't go looking for that. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, Gabe. Yeah, you want to find me? I'm at yelling at the screen at gmail dot com. Oh yeah, thanks, Carl, <laughs> for, for plugging the other tweets. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I emailed you guys and you still haven't responded. Oh to me. shoot, yeah, what Jack. <laughs> okay, in our defense, you're the Gabe, only one who knows really the email password. That's no, because I sent you another one. You sent a third email? Yes. Man, I need Hold to get on. better at checking these emails. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you guys suck. <laughs> what the heck? Well, that's why we need you, Gabe. You're going to get us on Look, track bro, with our email. Game. We agreed oh, that God. Jack would do all the editing. We agreed that Caleb would be the smartest one on the podcast. And we agreed that I would do nothing. <laughs> we never assigned the email. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. If, if, if the viewer... Okay, no, look, Colin. If the viewers remember, you guys talked about my email in when you I said something about Rick and Morty. Now I wanted to say specifically the uh, vat of acid episode. I thought is like a fourth wall breaker, diamond in the rough, and deserves more credit. And the train episode is badass and it's really fun, but it's like it's been done before. I, don't know. I, I, I will don't say, know. Gabe, that the vat of Apis, the vat of acid episode has won awards since it came out, so it's getting recognition. Yeah. But I think generally, it, I don't know. At least with like my idiot friends, they don't remember it <laughs> when they talk about Rick and Dang. Morty. So I don't know. Not not you guys. I'm not saying you guys are idiot friends. Like, <laughs> you are my, just my, not my right like now. my yeah. other <laughs> my <laughs> other idiot friends. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Anyway. Well, thank you guys for joining us for our discussion of Rango. Gabe, you'll be back. We had a good time. Join us next time as we talk about Serial Mom. I'm Jack. I'm Colin. I'm Caleb. And I'm Gabe. Hey. <laughs> and we are newest yelling. member of Yelling at the Screen. And we yeah, we are yelling at the screen. You guys have a great week. Bye. Bye. Wubble up a dub dub. Good God. <laughs> Gosh, should we be worried about Caleb? Welcome back to ALTV. Right now it's time for our exclusive interview with Mr. Marshall Mathers, also known as Eminem, also known as The Real Slim Shady, also known as Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. We'll follow his startling transformation from hardcore ALF fan to hardcore rapper. This is indeed a pleasure. Marshall, welcome to ALTV. Uh, I'm sorry, should I call you Marshall or Missy? Marshall. Well, Marshall it is then. Hope it wasn't out of line to ask. No, it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Because, you know, I wouldn't want you to be offended. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. You know what I'm saying? Yes.
I know what you're saying.